This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers, your personal career coach on Sirius XM Business Radio, Channel 132. Hey, every week we're here live on Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific with a full hour of career talk to answer all of your job search and career questions at 844-942-7866. So if it's Thursday, the phone lines are open right now, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and in my day job, I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. We have Dana and Dion in studio today who always make the show run smoothly and make it so much more fun. So if you're thinking 2020 is your year to change careers, if you're thinking, I have no idea what I want to do, or maybe you've got a slew of interviews lined up and you want to get prepared, you are on the right channel, 844-942-7866. We'll be taking your calls all hour long. So... Let's dive into current news. According to LinkedIn's popular feature, Get Hired, previously considered a perk, the number of remote jobs is growing. Research shows that 40% of millennials who make up the largest portion of the workforce say the ability to work remotely is a priority when evaluating opportunities. So this is also creating opportunities in top secondary cities with emerging markets in Austin, Raleigh, Durham, Pittsburgh, Portland, Charlotte. So, hey, do you work remotely? If you do, what do you see are the benefits and what are some of the drawbacks? We want to know here on Dr. Dawn on Careers, 844-942-7866. One of the huge benefits may be that you avoid the 24 extra minutes of commuting time that have been added to the average commute in the U.S. But a drawback could be that it's easier to miscommunicate, especially when you don't have the nonverbal cues to rely on. How important is that? Well, former FBI agent and best-selling author Joe Navarro would argue it is very important, and he's here today with us to tell us why. But before we jump into that, Dion. I have a question for you. Okay. If you had to guess the most honest part of a person's body, the part that's most likely to reveal a person's true intentions. Right. What part of that body, what part of the body do you think it would be? I'm going to say the hands. Hands. Yes. Why is that? Uh, people talk with their hands. Um, you can tell if somebody's nervous if they fidget with their hands or whatever. Um, cause I know it's not eyes and, and it's not only because I was on the last show, but because <laughs> I knew you were asking the question and that's too obvious. So I'm going very with good. hands. Very good. Dion knows me very well. It's never the most obvious answer. And you're right. It is not the eyes, but it's oh, I also. I thought you were going to say I was right. It was the hands. No, you're not right. <laughs> uh, you're also not right. It is not the hands. But on today's show, we're going to, we're going to share what that part of the body is and why 
it can be helpful to understand when you're going for a job interview or negotiating an offer or networking. And to help us do that, we are very, very excited to have a great guest with us. On the phone today, Joe Navarro, a.k.a. the human lie detector and nonverbal communications expert, is the author of several books, among them the international bestseller, What Every Body is Saying. Joe is recognized as one of the world's authorities on nonverbal communications and has appeared in a number of media outlets, including NBC's Today Show, ABC's Good Morning America, CBS's Early Show, and BBC News. A prolific writer and speaker, Joe has lectured throughout the United States, South America, Europe, and Asia, engaging his 25 years of counterintelligence and counterterrorism experience to educate others on reading behavior. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Joe. It's great to be here, Dr. Graham. Well, let me just say, I'm I'm actually kind of a little happy you're not in the studio with me today <laughs> because after reading two of your books over the last week, I I know that you would be just completely judging everything I'm doing with my body language. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say judging, but I would certainly be analyzing you. Yes. Yeah. So that would make me very very nervous. So so I I love that we're talking on the phone, even though yeah. it'd be great to have you here in person, but. But, but yeah. let's talk about this because I don't want to get too much into the brain science, but I do love it. And yeah. and one of the things that jumped out in your book that I think is really important for people to know is that your body language is driven from the limbic part of your brain, which means that that's the part that, that uh, things get to before they get to the thinking part of your brain. And that means we have very little control over what our body is doing, even if our mind is trying to be deceptive. So tell us a little bit about that and why that's critical to know. No, Joe. Yeah, you know, the limbic system is uh, really uh, exquisitely elegant in that it is constantly assessing the world, doesn't really have to think about it, and then allows us for survival reasons to react to it. So, you know, when we hear a loud noise, a bang, we freeze in place. If we had to think about that, or if we saw a a large uh, predatory animal like a tiger and we didn't freeze in place, if we had to think about it, it would slow us down uh, from an evolutionary standpoint. So the limbic system reacts to the world, is very authentic. It's the behaviors that stem from their universal and it allows us to read each other uh, w- with a certain amount of accuracy. So this is this is really interesting because the fact is is that even though our mouth may be saying something different, our body is communicating what we are really thinking and feeling. And so, hey, if you're listening and you're wondering why some people seem so perceptive, like they know what you're thinking, or maybe you're the perceptive one who can always tell what's going on in someone's mind, chances are it has a lot to do with those very subtle nonverbal and behavioral cues that people are giving and receiving. And we're super excited to have ex-FBI agent and interrogator Joe Navarro on the show to teach us how to use these cues to do better in our job search, to be better networkers, and to be better in negotiations all hour long, 844-942-7866. And of course, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, it is always open calls here on Dr. Dawn on Career. So if you have any job searching career questions, we want to hear from you, 844 844- 
844-942-7866. So one of the biggest things I think I learned from your books, Joe, is that a lot of things that maybe we've learned through popular science or, you know, are actually myths, such as, you know, we've learned direct eye contact means somebody is telling the truth. But this isn't always the case, which, you know, having spoken to many, many a criminal over the years. You know, there's so many myths out there, and that's one of them that, uh, you know, in fact, we know from the research um, that uh, deceptive people actually engage in greater eye contact. They, they sort of want to make sure that you get it. Or here's this myth. How many times have we heard, don't cross your arms, don't hold your arms across your chest or your belly, that it's, it's a blocking behavior? And in fact, that's wrong. It's a self-soothing it's a behavior. It's a self-hug. It's a comforting behavior. So those of you out there who have been told, don't do this, relax. It's, <laughs> it's okay. And you've always sort of thought that it was okay, and you were right. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, myths uh, out there, and, uh, and especially about the eyes that, you know, if we look in one direction or another, then somehow we're, we're misleading other people. Um, you know, we, when we're asked questions, we, our eyes tend to go in different directions as we ponder the question. But um, it, it certainly cannot be e- equated to, uh, to, to lying. And, and if I may, uh, Diane was right. Um, our, our arms and hands are very expressive, and we should pay attention to them because in expression, those are the exclamation points that we would see on the page. So, Joe, um, people call you the human lie detector. So let's just kind of get something really clear as we kind of kick off this show. I mean, do you really believe it's possible to detect deception just from a nonverbal gesture? Yeah, if I could go back and uh, and and erase whoever said that, because I never called myself that. I guess as a person in the FBI or ex-FBI, you could erase the person who said well, that, technically. I mean, let's, not, let's not go there. Okay. But, you know, the, the thing is, and, and this is, I think, very important for, for all the listeners, there is no single behavior indicative of deception. There is no, as uh, Dr. Mark Frank, uh, my friend, says, there is no Pinocchio effect. There are behaviors that indicate uh, we are anxious or we're struggling with something or some sort of psychological discomfort, but deception, no. And we can never say, oh, he touched his nose or he looked away, therefore he's lying. That's just sheer nonsense. And, and I'm a, a big proponent in staying away from that, especially in the business sector. Um, Nonverbals are not to be used for detecting deception, especially in the in the workplace. Yeah. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers, your personal career coach. So if you have a question and it's Thursday, we are excited to hear from you all hour long with any and all job search and career questions. 844-942-7866. And we're excited to be here with Joe Navarro, who is ex- FBI agent and nonverbal communication 
expert talking to us about how we can use these behaviors to do better in the job search. So what I really liked about your book, Joe, uh, just to kind of tag on to the topic we're just talking about, Mm -hmm. is the concept of pacifying behaviors. Because I think I'm, I'm, this is one of the areas that I think does give you the sign you need to know if you should dig further. So let's talk a little about what a pacifying behavior is and how people can can use it to, to as an indicator of digging a little bit deeper to find out if there's more information to know. Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, in the clinical literature, it's referred to as adaptive behaviors. But in fact, all day long, we're massaging our hands, stroking our face, uh, pushing our hair back, doing all sorts of things that are tactile. Those things are required by the brain to sort of calm us down and soothe us. What happens is when we're under stress, these increase. And, um, you know, sure, if, if you're being interrogated or, or interviewed, there may be questions that are personal and so forth, which may uh, cause you to increase the touching of your face and so forth. That doesn't mean you're being deceptive, and we have to be very careful. It does mean that that question may have caused you some some stress, and we have to be mindful of that. Now, where this has applications, for instance, if you're going for a job interview, you know, obviously, if you're nervous, I think you should front it. I, I always tell people, front that you're nervous, because you're expected to be nervous at, at these events. But the fact is that many people misinterpret these pacifying behaviors, the uh, chomping of the, or uh, biting down on the corner of the mouth of the lips, uh, rubbing the neck, um, rubbing your hands together, and so forth. Um, they, they, they misread them as being something more than the person is just trying to, to, uh, to calm down. And we certainly want to avoid those during a, uh, a job interview, but if they're there, feel free to tell the interviewer, hey, I feel a little nervous. Be- why? Because we've all been there. Yeah, and I also I also think that like you said you you need to you need to front that, but it's also important to recognize that if you're not nervous as somebody who has hired a number of people, I'm kind of curious yeah. why. Do you not care? Are you you know why are you here if you're not feeling a little bit excited about this opportunity and feeling a little bit um you know nervous about this interaction. So I think it can actually a little bit of nervousness can actually be a good thing to communicate your interest, but something else that you you talk about in your book related to the interview, which I find fascinating, is that, you know, normally in an interview, people kind of get past that that initial nervousness after a few minutes. But if if it pops up again based on a certain question, this can be an interesting place for the interviewer to dig deeper. Tell us more about that. Yeah, exactly. You know, after a while, both parties should should be uh, somewhat more calmed down. But if if you know you continue to see these indicators of of distress, maybe there's jaw shifting, maybe uh, there's covering of the neck dimple, um, maybe the 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 hands are being uh, wrung together. Um, you as an interviewer, or even if you're just a friend and seeing that in someone you know, you need to dig a little deeper and see what's going on. One of the, Best examples of this, uh, and I think it's in the book, uh, in my book, what everybody is saying. I I talk about the uh, the woman that was uh, called in, and um, 
you know, she she started out as a nervous, uh, a little nervous, but it, it it increased over time. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Joe, you know, you're you're the expert on body language. Maybe she's maybe she is guilty. Maybe she is hiding more stuff because boy, she was just biting her lip and pulling on her hair and doing all sorts of things. And finally, said, ma'am. I said, you, you look like you need to get something off your chest. And she says, oh, Mr. Navarro, thank God, because I only had two quarters when I parked up front, and I'm afraid the meter's <laughs> going to run out. And when you, when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. She, she feared getting a ticket. I love that because you have multiple stories in your yeah. book that are, are very similar to that, where the pacifying behavior gave away that somebody was uncomfortable, but it wasn't necessarily what they thought. It wasn't that the person was guilty. It was something no. completely unrelated. And that's why I think we need to, to dig in and kind of ask that question, like, what's going on? Because in that case, she could have blown the whole interview just because of not wanting to get a ticket. Hey, 844-942-7866. We are here with Joe Navarro talking about nonverbal communication and how it can impact you in the interview and negotiations and a lot more. But if you have a question for Joe and you want to call us, 844-942-7866, you know you can learn a lot from an ex-FBI agent. He's here to tell all of his secrets on Dr. Dawn on Careers all hour long if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 844-942-7866. So, so kind of continuing on, on that interviewing um, path. I believe that every job seeker has a red flag. Every single one, especially you've been in the job market for any length of time. And that could be that you were maybe fired from a job at one point, or maybe you're a little bit nervous because you're trying to switch careers and you don't have all of the the, the key responsibilities that are looking for. Or maybe you've been out of the workforce for a time to raise your family and now you're going back and you feel a little bit um, kind of out of the loop. So everybody has something in their past. And I think a good recruiter or hiring manager is going to try and dig in. And so my question would be, for everybody who has, you know, these these questions or these things in their background and that question comes up in the interview and all of a sudden the nervousness comes back and those pacifying behaviors and everything, how can people get beyond that so the interviewer doesn't just assume the worst and be like, wow, this person has something terrible in their background that I, I'm just not hearing about? Yeah, you know that's that's a terrific question, and it's and it's one that I've had to handle because obviously you know I hire people and and, and so forth, and one of the things that I was most impressed with uh, a young man came to me one day and um, and and he says, look, before we get started, I know your eyes are going to go immediately to this, and he said I was arrested uh, as a teenager. Um, I, uh, you know, and for whatever the reason, he was tried as an adult. It was adjudicated. I have, uh, you know, I have gone beyond that and so forth. And uh, I I thought to myself, what a what a great way to head this off and just present. Okay, this this is this is where your eyes are going. You know, once again, fronted first. And then he began to tell me about all the other things that uh, that wonderful things that 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 he had done, and I think too many times, uh, especially young people, um, sort of try to wiggle their way out of these things or try to hide and and not talk about it. And at some point, you're going to have to. Um, and I say, just go ahead and talk about it, but also talk about the lessons you have learned 
and how you've overcome that and where you're at now. I think the more time we spend hoping that they don't ask um, or that they won't go into details, I think that just makes us even more nervous. Exactly. And if you're anticipating that question and hoping they're mm-hmm. not asking, all of that nervous energy is coming through in different ways that you don't recognize through through all of these pacifying behaviors that you talk about right. in your book. And here's the deal. If you've been in the job search any length of time, if you've been in the market any length of time, you have something in your background that probably isn't ideal. And you just own it. Own it. If you've been out of the workforce for a while, if you've been unemployed for a while, if you were let go from a job, if you own it and move forward and just exactly as you said, Joe, show that you've, you've um, how you've compensated if, it, if it, that was the case or whatever it is, then that confidence comes through and you get past it and you move on to the next question and things great. If you really try and shove that down as far as you can. As you mentioned earlier, Joe, the limbic brain will make that come out in one form or another during the interview. It, it does. It betrays us. You know, and one of the things that we learn, certainly in leadership, and one of the things that I always teach is, you know, leaders, especially as, as we grow in an organization, should have smoother gestures but broader gestures. Um, but this also applies in interviews, that uh, we should prepare for interviews and tell ourselves, if I'm trying to convince them that I am prepared for, for this job, um, you know, it, prepare for it by demonstrating both your, your, your confidence, but, um, you know, your, um, your abilities are, are often best seen when you can convey things smoothly, logically, and, uh, and using these uh, broader gestures that we often associate with uh, leadership. Hey, you're just tuning in. You are listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We're here with Joe Navarro. And of course, if it's Thursday, it's open calls all hour at 844-942-7866. And we are going to jump right to the phones with Malcolm in Philadelphia. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers. Malcolm, what's your question today? Oh, hi, Dr. Dawn. Hi, Joe. Hi. Hey, Joe, I I read your book, uh, What Everybody is Saying. I liked it a lot. I didn't realize you had a second book until today. But uh, my question is this. Um, I was interviewing someone a few years ago, and he sat with a very aggressive posture. And it it was very weird to me. And I I looked up the guy afterwards. turned out he was uh, lying on his resume. Mm -hmm. My question is, is there any question that you could ask when you suspect someone's lying to in a situation like that? Or do you have any examples of interviews where you have done where you knew something wasn't right and well, you were looking for something? Malcolm, uh, thank you for your call and, and for, uh, and for buying my books. Uh, and, and other than my mother reading them, um, they're you know, fantastic, Joe, they're fantastic. <laughs> Everybody should be reading them. You're, you ask a very important question. And, um, and I think, it, you know, in some ways this is so unscientific, and yet at the same time it is very biological. If you sense there's something not right, and Malcolm, you sensed it, and I'm reminded of the great book by Gavin De Becker, The, the Gift of Fear. Um, you know, we're only now starting to understand the neurons that we have in our stomach and, uh, uh, and, and are connected through, uh, you know, to, to the brain, which gives us the, uh, the sense that something isn't right, and it's at a subconscious level. 
Um, and I think we need to pay attention to that. I have talked to hundreds of people who have said the same thing, that they thought that something was wrong. And they said, is, 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 are we making judgments? And I said, no, you're making assessments. These are survival assessments that have been with us as, as our species has for you know, millennia. And I think you need to listen to them. I don't think there is any one question that you can ask that will reveal the truth. I think, though, in doing due diligence, that if you have that sense that something isn't right, is ask more questions. Great, great question, Malcolm. Malcolm, thank you so much for giving us a call here on Dr. Dawn on Careers. Hey, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we're taking your calls all hour long at 844-942-7866. We have Joe Navarro here, who is an ex-FBI agent who has several books on nonverbal communication, of which he is an expert on and is teaching us all of his insider tricks today on Dr. Dawn on Careers, 844-942-7866. And I do, I do want to talk a little bit more about what, what Malcolm had, had brought to the table, because I do think, I think we have two sides of it, that we have, you know, we, I know we have a lot of people who are in a hiring position listening to the show and a lot of people who are in an interview situation listening to the show and I do think it's really important that we step away from 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 pop science and say oh you know I really like that candidate but every time you know she answered the question she looked up to the right and that means this based on some tv show I've seen I think we need to get away from that and take your advice and if something doesn't seem right dig in a little bit more ask more questions maybe it's the parking meter that somebody is stressing out about maybe there is something to dig into but it's not what you think it is so i love that advice of of just asking more questions what are some of your favorite questions joe do you do you have some some faves you know i do i one of my favorite uh, questions to ask and it, it's 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 one that i learned early on is is there one topic that you do not want to discuss during this interview Ooh. And it's amazing to me how many people will um, will say, well, I, you know, this is one area that I really don't want to get into. And then I have to look at it and, and, and ask myself, okay, I, that, that one I can respect. You know, maybe it has to do with family. Maybe it has to do with uh, something that, that has happened uh, in, in their life. Um, and sometimes it 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 identifies you know a problem that they're currently having. Um, um, I remember one gentleman who had problems with with uh, with drinking and alcohol, and he said, "I you know this is the one area that I I really don't want to uh, uh, to get into." And you know, and and fair enough. Um, the other question that I like to use is. How do I, what question can I ask you that would get you to open up? And the reason that I like that question is this. We always think we know how to um, get people to open up. When in fact, um, as you know, uh, uh, Don, if you go to New York or if you go to the, <laughs> the, uh, the, re- the um, uh, Native American reservations on, uh, on the, on the, along the Colorado River, it's, like, it's almost like you have two different countries, South Florida versus the Northwest. I mean, America is so vast, 
And so I often ask them, what is the one question that I could ask you that would get you to open up? And it's amazing how many times they will tell you the secret to unlocking uh, them up. I love that. Just ask. Just ask. People actually will answer. I love it. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. And right now, it's time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. All right, get on the phone to challenge Dion. Dion, I tested this out this morning, and it's actually harder than I thought. So here it is. In the golden era of the 1960s and 70s, people in this professional sport made twice as much money as NFL stars. People in this professional sport in the 1960s and 70s made twice as much money as NFL stars. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-942-7866. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Career, Sirius XM 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Business Radio. Body language. Body language. Language. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Careers, your personal career coach here every Thursday taking your calls on any and all job search questions. So hey, getting your resume dusted off for the new year, maybe you're thinking, boy, I haven't touched my LinkedIn in a while and I should probably update my profile. You can give us a call anytime during the hour on Thursdays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at 844-942-7866. And just in case you missed the pre-break quiz, I'll give it to you one more time. In the golden era of the 1960s and 70s, people in this professional sport made twice as much money as NFL stars. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-942-7866. And if you haven't checked out my updated website, Dr. Dawn on Careers, you can go there and find everything that I have done from LinkedIn learning courses to TEDx talks to Everything in between Forbes blog, I put out all of this information because I want you to have the most successful career and have the insider scoop about what's going on behind the scenes in the mind of the hiring manager. So you can find all of that at Dr. Dawn on Careers and sign up for my newsletter, which I send out monthly with even more tips. Hey, 844-942-7866. If you're just tuning in, do you know what the terms neck, dimple, torso, shield, disappearing lips, knee clasp and ventral denial have in common? Well, they're all subtle body language movements that can tell a lot about a person or tell them a lot about you. Former FBI agent Joe Navarro is here today to share how you can use this information to your advantage in your career. So if you have a question or example, you can give us a call at 844-942-7866. So Joe, tell us how we can reach you if we want more information after today's show. Oh, well, thank you most kindly. Uh, you can reach me at my website uh, at uh, joenavarro.net. Um, and my books are, uh, are available at all major booksellers and, uh, and of course, uh, online on uh, Amazon. Fantastic. And they're highly recommended because you will learn so much that you've probably 
probably been observing <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But now you'll know what it means and what you could do to dig in to get more information. So I'm curious, yeah. Joe, are we are we getting more observationally challenged with m- the more technology we have? I mean, most people now are communicating via text. There's obviously more remote workers. I mean, how how is our perception of body language or its use in our communication changing as the world shifts towards less in-person communication and more technology-based communication? Oh, Dr. Graham, you have just hit upon one that is confronting uh, everybody because, um, in fact, both of my neighbors on either side uh, uh, work remotely, and uh, and they rarely go, go to the office. And um, so you have that, and then you have, of course, um, young people who often uh, communicate um, uh, via texting and, and so forth. I think there's certain things that are hardwired in us. They're part of our paleo circuits that will will never change. But I also think that um, overall we're becoming less observant. And I, I often look at it from the standpoint of, um, you know, for instance, how predators um, take advantage of, of people who immediately, as they're leaving a store, their hands are looking at their phones, and they're not looking around uh, to see if they're safe as they're walking across the street and getting into the cars. Never mind that they're bumping into each other and other things. That's the funny part. The other part has to do with safety and that the fact that we are not as observant from a from a safety standpoint. Um, the other thing that, that we are noticing, and, and I have received plenty of complaints uh, from HR people, is that, uh, and I'm not sure there's a lot of science behind this yet, but there will be, is that people are less conversant. And so when you tell a salesperson, um, you know, we need to, for you to work w- with, with the clients and have these long interviews, um, they're finding that they have trouble find, uh, finding people that can actually do that. So I think, uh, I, I think there is a, an effect, and I think we have to uh, recognize it. Yeah, I mean, I know in your book you talk about that the human body literally gives off thousands of nonverbal signals, and we know from from just you know other uh, research that these yeah. this is one of the ways we interpret. I mean, you think about tone, you think about movements, um, you know, all of those things coming together to get the full message. And now we're losing a lot of that through technology. So I think I think there's another book on the horizon for you, Joe. Is communicating in a in a technology based world. Hey, you're listening to Dr. Yeah. Don on Careers. We're going to go back to the phone 844-942-7866 with Cindy in New York. Cindy, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Hi, Dr. Don. Hi, Joe. Thanks so Hi. much for taking my call. How are um, you, Cindy? Very good. Thank you. Um, I just kind of wanted to reference back to one of the points you made earlier on in the program um, when you mentioned that one of the questions you like to ask an interviewee was, is there a specific topic that you don't want to discuss in this interview? Um, as a job seeker, what, 
what would you guys recommend is a good kind of response to that, especially if it is something you don't want to kind of dig deeper into, but is it obvious if you might not be quite telling the truth? I'm just kind of curious, I guess, from a job seeker perspective. Yeah, that's a really good question, Cindy. It's kind of the like proverbial, what is what is your biggest weakness? And of course, you don't want to yeah. say what your biggest weakness yeah. is because, you know, it's so so if you don't want to answer that, that question, Joe, or you want to do it gracefully and kind of move on to the next thing, what would you recommend for a job seeker? Yeah, you know, it's first of all, you know, that is the kind of question that that I would ask, and I I don't think you're going to uh, run into that. I think as a job seeker, um, you know, I I think it's always best to just lay it all out there, but in particular, be emphatic about what you're passionate about, what what really interests you. Um, and and what you feel strongest uh, uh, about, um, I, I I look for the passion in people. I you know if somebody came to me and said you know I am a terribly curious person. I am curious about the world and I don't have a lot of experience, but that's the best that I can give you. Just being fresh out of college, I'll take you, and I'll tell you why. Curiosity is huge. It's, it impresses me to no end. It shows me that you're, you're willing to learn. And, and if you're passionate about that, um, it's, it's something that I can bank on, your passion. And Cindy, you bring up a good point because I will tell you as a former recruiter, we, uh, we look for, it's interesting because Joe, I, you know, I obviously just read your book, but I, I thought back to my life as a recruiter and some of the things that we would do to try and kind of dig into these areas. And, um, you know, there were, there were so many of them. And, and the fact is, is like you said, you always want to use that 45 minutes minutes to talk about where you're going versus the things that kind of pull you back. But I think interviewers just want to know that you're human and you've thought about these things and you're self-reflective. So when these questions come up, I think that's kind of part of what they're looking for. But we also, considering your pacifying behaviors, Joe, it makes me think about things we've we've kind of assessed in candidates and what we would do, which I know this is going to sound really evil on air, but we're here's true confessions from, from Dr. Don. Um, some of the things we used to do when we'd have interviewees come in is we'd we'd obviously offer them water and one of the tells that we could tell that they're nervous is after they answer every question they take a drink of water so that was you know an indication to us that this was a this was a tough question we also would put them in swivel chairs to see if they would swivel um, and again we are interviewing people who we knew would be putting in front of clients so we kind of justified it that way but I, I do think that that some of those behaviors can be really dangerous and some of these questions can can bring things up that people maybe don't want to talk about. But here's what I would say for candidates. You do not have to answer a question um, you know, as directly. And I'm not saying that you should avoid the question or, but think about what you want to put on the table. Think about what you want to communicate in that 45 minutes that you have and make sure when you're asked a question, you find a way to communicate that. Because if you get a, a, a bad interviewer and there's plenty of them out there and they're constantly asking you, what plant would you be? And, you know, if you could fit a hundred tennis balls in a bus, how many would you put in? There? I mean, if you're getting these questions and you're not able to get what you want to across in the interview, you're going to leave. They're not going to know your skills. 
and they're going to move on to the next person. So don't let what could potentially be a bad interviewer shift you into talking about things that aren't going to show why you're a strong candidate for the job. So I know I just kind of went on a rant there, Cindy, but we really appreciate your call and we wish you all the best in 2020. Hey, you're just tuning in. We're listening to Dr. Dawn on careers and we're here with Joe Navarro talking all about body language and I want to talk Joe a little bit about the negotiation because I know this is a part of the job search that people get really nervous on and often have a lot of questions so if you've got a question on negotiating the offer first off do it always um, and give us a call 844-942-7866 so let's talk about negotiating this is often a very anxiety provoking conversation for job seekers so many just avoid it because they don't even want to go through the discomfort of doing it but but what are some things that people can do to kind of gain an advantage (laughs) um, in you know what might be a 10-minute conversation but a very important 10-minute conversation uh, uh, thank you for asking this question, and, I, and I'll answer it directly. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. I am astounded at how many times the first time somebody mentions, you know, whether where they're talking about while well, they will be earning or whether they will be living or any of these things, and they go about it almost apologetically, uh, almost, uh, you know, in, in a very... Um, coiled up sort of uh, of of manner and it and it strikes me that that's because they haven't rehearsed it i think those important things that deal with our lives you know that this is how i view myself you know i would like to you know earn this much or i'd like to negotiate this i think it, if you just take a few minutes uh, um, a day or two ahead of time and rehearse how you're going to say it how you what words you will choose how you will present that and say it out loud so that as you're saying it at the meeting these aren't the first time you're hearing yourself i think you'll be better prepared and um and be assured in your own um uh, in the gravity of what you're saying that what you're asking for is legitimate that it's proper and so forth and when you do that i think your body will reflect uh, that confidence in the same way that actors rehearse and practice for a stellar performance. Yeah, and, and going back to a question from early in the show, guessing the most honest part of a person's body. Of course, mm. it is the feet, which is as far away from the <laughs> eyes as you can get, which is so interesting to me. But but it's true. I mean, I think when you're negotiating or even when you're having a conversation with somebody and you watch their feet or their feet pointing towards the door, are they done with this conversation and you're, you know you continue to talk? I think that's really important is to to understand how the person you're negotiating with, what their nonverbals are saying. Are they, are they uncomfortable? with a certain point that you're bringing up. You have a lot of good examples about this in your book. Or, you know, where are their feet pointing? What are their legs doing? Tell us a little bit more about that, Joe. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, unlike the, our faces have social contracts. You smile, uh, Dr. Graham, I smile back, and so forth. But our feet, responsible more for our safety and survival, don't have that social contract. And so oftentimes, when we're not comfortable around someone, we will facially uh, say hi, uh, but our feet turn away. And it's a very accurate reflection of, 
of of how we uh, really feel about them. And so we have a little saying, um, you know, belly away, don't want you to stay. And that's the ventral denial you were talking about earlier, that we tend to turn our bellies away from each other when we uh, when we really don't uh, uh, care to to um, to to pursue uh, something, um, but I think you know the, the the body language of negotiations is an intricate one. Uh, in some ways, it's theater because you also have to learn when to be silent. You also have to learn things like, for instance, if I tilt my head slightly to the side, I will be perceived. Uh, better, and, and communication will will be enhanced, and we will be talking longer. If we merely just tilt our head slightly to the side, then if we just sit there very erect um, with, with the neck, uh, literally, as we often used to read in the Bible, stiff, uh, stiff-necked, you know, where the neck is, you look like a drill sergeant. So there are certain things that we can do so that when we say something or we appeal to someone in negotiations, we are perceived as uh, someone to do business with. Yeah. And I always say go into negotiations with positive intent, because when you go in with positive intent and your your limbic system's perceiving positive intent, your body language is going to follow. You're going to lean in. You're going to tilt your head. Your feet are going to be facing towards the person. You're going to look relaxed. So I think in part that, you know, you can't go in as like being defensive and being like, all right, I got to win this. Go in with with finding that that answer that works for both par- parties, and I think your body will follow. Hey, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. We're going to go back to the phones with Liza in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Liza. What's on your mind today? Hi, thanks. I just wanted to bring up a point. I work in inside sales, and so we're behind the phones all the time, and we don't have the opportunity to show body language in person, but it's also super important even when you are behind the phone to be mindful of all the things that you've been discussing in terms of body language and I I really like the point of the power of silence because when we get into more serious negotiations and are talking about numbers that's something that we also have to keep in mind the pause after when you relay numbers and quotes so what what are some of your favorite sales techniques Liza um the the power of discovery is what we call it so spending the first 15, 20 minutes of a call, like getting to know the client and being more focused on their needs as opposed to bringing up your own. I think that that's super important. And having, like you talk about the like positive intent going into the call, like to really be building your solution for their needs and tailoring it to those answers that they gave you in the beginning. So, Joe, um, Liza comes uh, brings up a point that we were discussing a few minutes ago about how, you know, you're not always going to be able to see somebody's body language. So phone is interesting because a lot of first interviews are done over the phone. And I have seen people completely transform from the person I heard over the phone to the person they are, you know, when they're in front of me in the desk. And so I think this is really an important factor since there's going to be a lot missed non-verbally when you're on the phone. What are some things people can look out for, Joe, or pay attention to if you only have phone as your your communications medium? Well, Liza brings up some great points, not just the silence, but think about um, the tone of voice. You know, we we know that lower voices uh, are uh, very helpful in establishing effective communications. The cadence, um, some people talk very fast, 
some people talk very slow. Um, some people have difficulty uh, hearing. The words that we choose, we, you know, uh, she was talking about uh, listening for, uh, to get to know them. One of the things we need to learn to get to know is what are the, the words that they choose and what weight those words have. For instance, if I say family, don't come back to me and say wife and kids. I didn't say wife and kids. I said family. Family has weight. So we listen to the weight of the words. We listen to the cadence. We, li- we listen to the manner of delivery. And we also listen to their breathing rate. For instance, you know, some of your callers, you know, call in and you can hear from their breathing that they're nervous. This is the first time maybe they're calling on the radio. And it's our job to uh, get them to to uh, calm down. So all these things are important, and they're taking place over the phone. But we can still uh, use that information, and we can use ourselves to uh, affect um, their calmness and, and their comfort level. Yeah, I love that advice, Joe. Liza, thank you so much for giving us a call today on Dr. Don on Careers. And you have no reason to be nervous calling our show every week because we are your personal career coach. We are here for you. And here's the deal. Your question or comment is likely helping so many other people who have similar questions and thoughts. So do give us a call, 844-942-7866. We actually can't hear your breathing, or at least I can't. Right, Dion? Right. (laughs) Dion, Dion, that out. Oh, but let's talk about getting nervous in the pre-break quiz, Dion. Oh, boy. Dion, Dion. Dion's never getting nervous about this, even though sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work out. But in the golden era of the 1960s and 70s, this professional sport made people in this professional sport made twice as much money as NFL stars, Dion. And you said you were doing this th- this morning. No, no, I, I tested it on some people because I actually thought it might be too easy, but then I keep forgetting I know the answer, so it's oh, okay. easy for me. That, that changes my answer. Well, actually, it doesn't because, yeah. Um, I'm going to say tennis. You know, that came up. That wasn't it. But, yeah, that's a good answer. Dana? I'm going to say boxing. Ooh, that's a good answer. That no. did not come up. That's not it either. All right, Joe. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. I know I told you I wasn't gonna quiz would, you, but would, would you consider uh, 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 race car drivers? You know, it's funny because that's that's um, they made a lot of money too. But yeah, no, I consider. So you're talking to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Joe. Joe. <laughs> I, I, I love losing. Yeah. I love losing. I learn. I consider if it was featured in Sports Illustrated that it's a sport. That's uh, that's my definition. That narrows it down. Yeah, I know. So okay, featured in sports or just in sports illustrated no like featured like they wrote stories about it okay so the answer is that people who are in bowling bowling made twice as much money as nfl stars they signed million dollar contracts and were heralded as international celebrities after each match they'd be surrounded by fans who'd seen them on television or read about them in sports illustrated uh people still bowl they're not making that kind of money any longer but there you go yeah i'm a terrible bowler (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go. But oh, so wow. so you learn something new every week here on Dr. Dawn on Careers. Hey, you got a question or a comment? We always are here for you every Thursday at 844-942-7866. And we are very fortunate to have Joe Navarro with us today. who's an ex-FBI agent who's written several books on how you can use nonverbal communication 
to understand what's going on in the relationships around you in so many ways, not just in work, but in your personal relationships and many others. But Joe, we're at the favorite part of my show. We're going to do speed round. And you know, I love speed round. I love it. And this is your, this was your suggestion. I love, love, love this suggestion. So we're going to do speed round quick tips on how to diffuse a situation. So if you're in a tense situation, whether conflict at work or, you know, an argument with a friend, how do you diffuse the situation? And I'm going to give you the floor, Joe. You go first. Okay. So the first thing is uh, back up a little bit and turn slightly, followed by a deep exhale. Ooh, deep exhale. the quickest way to diffuse a situation. All right. I am going to say something that we talked about earlier, which is which is pause. Just pause. Like, you know, don't try and get like, you know, your next word in edgewise, because we know that we tend to to uh, not fully listen to people. So just taking a pause to deescalate. All right. You're up. Yeah. And uh, the other my, my other favorite is don't make direct eye contact, but look slightly away because in normal uh, conversation, we actually look away. And so that enters uh, in more into the normal uh, range of conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm putting my psychology hat on for a second is that you can limit the escalation by starting with I statements instead of you. So, for example, I feel like people don't listen to me versus you never listen to what I say. And here's, here's one you can do nonverbally that uh, transmits to the subconscious. Instead of standing there with both feet spread apart like you're a drill instructor, cross your legs, which, is, uh, which reveals that we are um, off balance and not going anywhere. And that helps to calm things down. Yeah, I actually tried that yesterday, and it was so good. Joe, this has been incredible. Love hearing all of this information. I know you have so much more in your books. One last time, where can people reach you if they want to learn more? Yes, please come to uh, joenavarro.net um, or uh, look for my books on online. And uh, it, it's always uh, a, a pleasure uh, hearing from you. And uh, I love your show, uh, Don. Thank you so much, Joe. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here. And of course, to all of our listeners and callers, Dr. Don on Careers is here for you live every week to take all of your career and job search questions. And Dana and Dion, you make this show fun as always. So if you'd like more information, you could follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM 132. We'll see you next time. Site from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.